a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The headline All Eyes Are on Central Asia as President Xi and President Putin met for the first time since Russia invaded Ukraine. But what is the meeting really all about? What does it really mean? Is it just a one more symbol of China and Russia's partnership to counter the West and Western values? Or is there more going on beneath the headline and beneath the surface? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We are very pleased to have joining us on the program today, Lily Kuo, who's the China Bureau Chief for the Washington Post, uh, covers everything going on. And obviously, there's uh, a lot of attention going on between China and Russia at this point. And uh, Lily, I know it's been a, a very busy couple of days watching what's happening between the leaders of China and Russia. Uh, give us just a little perspective in terms of what's going on and uh, what we should be watching for. It's a really interesting time for this meeting to be happening because so many things are going on for both leaders and in both countries. Um, obviously, I focus on China. And for Xi Jinping, the things that he's facing right now are he's going into a very important party congress in October where there will be a big leadership reshuffle. And he's supposed to be he's supposed to get a third term, which is breaking with tradition within the, the party system in China uh, in terms of leadership transition. And this is also his first trip abroad in almost three years. Um, also at home, he faces a lot of issues from a slowing economy and a property crisis. And then on the outside, obviously, there's a lot of tensions between China and Taiwan and the U.S. and Western countries. And so for this for this meeting to happen now, I think the big thing that we're watching for is, you know, what exactly is the full shape of this no limits partnership that she and Putin announced in February just before uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine? And you know, since then, a lot has changed and the stakes are higher for both leaders. So it's really a test of, you know, how limitless is that relationship? Yeah. And so let's break that down just a, a little bit. Let's start with the things inside of, of China. You mentioned this uh, unprecedented third uh, term uh, for President Xi. Uh, what is the the makeup of that? And, and what signal does that send both internally in terms of China? And what message does it send to the rest of the world uh, if he secures that third round? So there's pretty much no question that he will secure that third term. He's been signaling that for some time. You know, he had previously abolished term limits. And in the economy system, it had been basically the tradition that you would serve no more than two terms. And so there, there have been these peaceful transitions of power for decades. What's important about that is that really he could, he could stay in power indefinitely. We don't know that that's what he wants to do. But I guess your question of what message does that send to the world? You know, for a long time, 
especially since China joined the WTO, China was on this path of reform and opening. And the Western world especially thought that China was liberalizing and opening up and that I guess basically that China would become more like Western countries um, in terms of, you know, maybe not democracy, but just in practices, um, in certain governance practices and, and trade. And I think Xi taking on a third term shows that China really is going down its own path. And, you know, that's in some ways that's more of an authoritarian path. So he's pursued a more uh, state-focused, state-directed economy. He's much more into pushing communist ideology and now he's going to stay in power indefinitely. And the other thing, and you'll, you'll see this a lot in stories about the Party of Congress that's coming up, is that it's, it's really cementing his role as um, China's most powerful leader since Mao Zedong. And we know that there were a lot of problems with Mao Zedong, so that, that comparison also um, is concerning. Yeah, oh, fascinating. Yeah, and let's jump to the specifics in terms of this interaction with Vladimir Putin. Uh, you mentioned that uh, a lot of their support for one another before the the war began. A lot of things have changed. And so what, what are the dynamics uh, of that relationship now? The world really has been watching very closely whether China is going to extend, whether China would extend more support to Russia and whether China would be this lifeline to Russia during the war, and especially as things started to go south for Putin. And what seems to be the case is that China has mostly extended rhetorical and moral support to Russia while making sure that it basically obeys the sanctions and doesn't get doesn't incur secondary sanctions. So um, China has stressed this whole time, the last six months, that it, you know, it's still going to continue its normal trade and economic relationship with Russia. And we have seen trade, um, trade is up, um, I think, 30 percent for the first eight months of 2022. So China's sending goods to Russia. It's also buying a lot of Russian oil and gas and other commodities. But what we haven't seen that we know of is China actually sending um, military, any military weapons or uh, financial support for the war effort. The other important dynamic is that China has been trying to strike this very difficult balance of supporting Russia but not endorsing the war and in, in criticizing war in itself but not criticizing Russia's war in Ukraine, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah, that, uh, that's been a, a very fine line, I think, for, uh, for China to, to balance on. And all that. Yeah, you mentioned all of the economics that that continues to go. The trade is up, uh, both in terms of of goods, but also oil and gas, which is is really critical. Uh, give us just a little more perspective in terms of the the military. Obviously, uh, Vladimir Putin is is looking to other allies uh, to to help with that war effort in in terms of weapons or or materials for weapons. Uh, places like Iran and, and North Korea, uh, and of course to China. Is, is there any uh, hint there that uh, things might shift or that this interaction between the two leaders uh, might advance that in terms of some of those uh, military hardware assets or, or supplies? So I think that's why the meeting today is being watched so closely and why we've been parsing the words on both sides. Mm-hmm. And Putin in his opening said, you know, the Russian side, we understand China's concerns and questions about the war. And I thought that that was interesting because China hasn't publicly expressed any criticism of, uh, of Russia launching this war. So I don't know if that means that there's some concerns being expressed in private, but I think that in general, China is really, really trying to avoid sanctions and sending military equipment would definitely violate sanctions. So yeah. what I also found interesting in the statement today out of the meeting and this question of whether or not she um, is going to lend more support to Russia, possibly in military support or, or whatever, or just more material support, the Chinese side, um, the statements are much more 
subdued and a little bit colder than they were in February when they first announced their um, limitless partnership. Mm, yeah, that's fascinating. And uh, so many nuances there. Uh, Lily, before I let you go, uh, anything else that you're watching from your unique uh, perch there as the uh, China Bureau Chief for the Washington Post, uh, anything else that you're watching or anything under the radar that we should be watching for uh, both in the, the meeting from today and uh, and in the days ahead? So we talk a lot about the China and Russia relationship and how they're great partners. And But I think it's important to know that there's also limitations to this relationship. And, you know, Russia is being weakened and Putin is increasingly isolated. And so a question a lot of people have, or at least a question that I have is, well, why, why does Beijing double down on that partnership if Russia is kind of this international pariah? I think it's important to note that there are um, other things going on in that relationship aside from just presenting a counter to the Western order. I think it's also that China has decided that it is smarter to kind of keep Russia on side. Um, and there are actually areas of competition between the two. And I think that this visit by Xi to Central Asia kind of highlights some of those uh, sort of quiet rivalries that are going on in the background. Oh, fantastic. Lily Kuo, China sure. Bureau Chief. Yeah. Uh, for the Washington Post, uh, great insight and uh, a really crucial series of conversations and uh, much more to come on that. Uh, we appreciate you staying up late, uh, China time, uh, to talk with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. Uh, so much to unpack there in terms of that China-Russia relationship. What happens? What comes next? Is it just standing up to the West, making sure there's a counter voice there? Is there more to it than just economics? Uh, what will President Xi do in the days and weeks ahead? Uh, he obviously will be the most powerful uh, leader of China in a very long time as he continues to consolidate power there. What will he do with that advantage? How will he leverage it? How will he continue to keep China engaged economically with the West, which is crucial? And uh, what does that mean for Vladimir Putin and his failing efforts in Ukraine? And what, does that, what confidence does that give to the Ukrainian people as they continue to fight for their sovereign territory? Much more to come, much more to watch. China, Russia, Ukraine, and more. Stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately... We're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.